0: This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact
1: Talk Radio. And on tunein.com, Hing.fm, and upsnap mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe
0: Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald.
1: My mama told me when I was young,
0: we're all superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me, rejoining me here on this lovely Friday. My name is Lisa McDonald. This is my show, Carpe Diem. I'm with the Contact Talk Radio Network. And I am joined yet again by another phenomenal guest, Jim Bouchard, and before we turn it over to unscripted dialogue, as I always do, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on Jim's history, uh, his legacy in the making, uh, just because, of course, as I've mentioned before, this show spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. So, Jim, what can I tell you about Jim? Well, through Jim's life in martial arts, he transformed himself from dropout drug abuser and failure to successful entrepreneur and black belt over 30 years of practice study and teaching he's developed the tools you need to master your life career and business he shares the principles of black belt mindset and teaches you how to use those principles to reach your fullest potential and help other people reach theirs as a business speaker trainer and author of Think Like a Black Belt and The Sensei Leader, Jim is in demand internationally, touring and speaking to corporate and conference audiences. He appears regularly on TV and radio, including such programs as BBC, Worldview, and Fox News. And as well, added to the repertoire, Jim is writing for Congress. Jim, what's going on? <laughs>
1: That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome
0: to my show. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank that's you. And
1: we it's and people have said that I'm crazy for doing it. So that, that's a good place to start, right?
0: Yeah, let's start with that. That's the most recent development. So tell us how this all came about.
1: Well, you know, for a long I've been kicking it around for a long time. And because I teach leadership, you know, there are certain times where you sit down, and you consider it's it's nice to to talk about it. It's nice to uh preach the you know, preach the message, but I felt it was time to get off the sidelines and at least, at least give it a try. You know, it's, it's difficult. It's going to be a difficult job to get elected in this district, but, uh, you know, the conversation will be important. We'll, we'll hope to shape the platform and I'm running as a libertarian. So hopefully we'll, we'll give the libertarian banner a little bit more exposure too. Uh, but ultimately, Hey, maybe, maybe we'll win and then we can go to Congress and try to change some Yay! of this mess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: what do you mean? What do you
1: mean?
0: Some? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's out of control.
1: There's plenty to work on, isn't there?
0: Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I'm presuming, and you can speak to this, that your decision was uh, motivated by current state of affairs, what we see unfolding every single day in the news as we're getting closer and closer.
1: No, absolutely. Whoa. You know, it's it's we all complain about it, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, right? But at some point, we're, we're supposed to have a citizen government, and that means that some, you know, sometimes the citizen has to step up and, and get involved. Uh, uh, personally, I'm very tired of the professional class of politicians that are out there, and I'm not disparaging anybody individually, uh, or maybe not even collectively. I mean, most of the people that go and do this job are, they're good people, they have good intentions, but the system is, is just, the system's broken, there's no, I know that's a cliche, but there isn't really any better way to say it. And mm-hmm. we've got to, right, we've got to restore the, the the citizen participation in the government. And we've got to to chop up the credit card. I mean, that's really the focus that we're taking. Uh, We've got a lot of problems we need to solve, but we're not going to solve any as we're bankrupting ourselves. So that's the first priority.
0: Absolutely. And so for our listening audience, given how expansive it is, where are you located, Jim?
1: I live in Brunswick, Maine. It's a little town on the coast of Maine. Uh, If people know Maine, it's about 20, uh, 20 minutes or so north of Portland. Uh, A lot of people know Portland. They might not know, you know, much else about Maine. Uh, But we do actually have electricity and running water and (laughs) Internet. No, no, it's a beautiful state. And uh, I'd recommend anybody, especially this time of year, come out and visit and eat some good Maine lobster, right?
0: Fantastic. And so if uh, elected, let's say you go the whole nine yards, Mm -hmm. what's the platform? What is it that you uh, profess to change? What is it you want to change? Where would you start? How would you implement it? What does the infrastructure look like?
1: well you know as i said it's very difficult as a third party candidate i'll probably be the loneliest guy in washington if i get there uh so the first right the first priority is i have to go and try to try to network with some of the folks that are already entrenched there that means uh, working with with the major parties and and that's one of the one of the things i'd really like to accomplish Uh, we've got to start focusing on the things that we can do and stop fighting over the things that we can't do or that we just you know can't come to agreement on uh there's too much of that too many of the issues that are Getting the most emotional attention and energy really aren't the issues we should be focusing on. They're not the issues that we're, we're going to come together and do something. So there are plenty of other things. And as I said before, the number one priority is to just stop the out of control spending. So the, the solid, the most solid plank on our platform is that we're going to, we're going to propose an immediate freeze on any increase in federal spending. And the intention is to bring people to the table from there. We're not talking about cuts yet because people get defensive when we do that. I'm not not saying we don't need them, but uh, there's plenty of waste and abuse we can look at first. The first thing, though, right, you know, I always say it this way. If you have a teenager running around the mall with your credit card, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep letting them go wild? Are you going to just keep raising the the, uh, limit on the credit card? Of course not. You're going to stop the credit card. You're going to chop it up and you're going to start from there. And that's what we've got to do.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic. And so what you said a couple of minutes ago is a beautiful segue to kind of introduce people to the inception of your story, the inception of your journey. So when you mm-hmm. talk about being solution-focused as opposed to problem-saturated, obviously you were off to a rocky start. You mentioned that. That was
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> <could> say that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that was highlighted in your bio. And uh, I'm sure for listeners as well as myself, we'd love to know a little bit more and and, and we can – also segue into Doug Barron uh, because we do talk about the fuck-it moments as opposed to the aha <laughs> moments. So why don't we talk about your fuck-it moment and what uh, propelled you out of it?
1: Oh, my goodness. I guess I don't have to wash my mouth, huh? No. <laughs> you know, every time I do a presentation, uh, yeah, I like to share my resume. There's a number of reasons for that. But uh, the first part, you know, I, I stand up and say, well, I'm a two-time college dropout and a former drug addict. How about that? For You know, are you glad you booked me for this event? You know? <laughs> So that's that's how we get the ball rolling. Actually, that's probably a pretty good resume for Cong- Congress, isn't it? There
0: you go. You'd be accepted in a heartbeat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but you know, like like a lot of people, um, you know, I fell I fell into that lifestyle. I didn't you know? Nobody sits down with a to do list and says, "Okay, you know, I just want to waste myself on drugs." Uh, you know, it happens a little little at a time, kind of a scalded frog thing. It happens usually because there's something inside of us that, you know, needs attention uh, many times. And, and I still, you know, I do volunteer work with, with kids that are incarcerated, and many of them are in the same predicament, right? We have to sit down. We have to get to the core of it. You know, what what is it that led to that lifestyle, and led to these choices? And very often, and that's why martial arts was such a big turning point in my life, uh, I believe I probably was a disciplined person before I was p- applying that discipline in the wrong direction. And martial arts gave me a system, a process to really manage that, to understand how to create meaningful and purposeful habits, which is all discipline is, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because without those, uh, there are plenty of other habits ready to creep in and fill in the void. We are creatures of habit. We want routine and patterns in our lives. We're naturally attracted to that. So without a positive, a purposeful habit, the negative ones are, are ready to fill in the gap. And that's usually, that's a big part of what happens with addiction, so... Yeah, that's yeah.
0: So, what would you then attribute to the degree that you feel comfortable? I mean, obviously you take the international stage, you're probably very much an open book. Uh so, do you care to share for us what you came to realize was at the core of the addiction kind of being the band-aid?
1: Yeah, you know, for me personally and every, you know, there are a lot of different stories, but there are some archetypes and I think what I went through is typical of the experience a lot of people have. Uh, which was I had no sense of self-value or self-worth. I had absolutely no sense of that at all. Now, I can trace that back to childhood, difficulties, relationships with my dad, you know, things like that. Uh, the important thing is is not to blame or to, you know, to regret, but it's to just look at those things and say, all right, I, I arrived at a certain place. Now I'm going to look in the damn mirror and figure out what I need to do to move forward from here. So I had to, I wouldn't say rebuild uh you know some sense of self-worth and you notice I, I i tend to use that word more than self-confidence yes confidence is a little different animal and self-esteem is a way different animal Mm -hmm. anybody right anybody can have self-esteem i mean you send kids to you know weekend camp and they sing good songs (laughs) i I love me i love you you know let's all go to the zoo what the frig you know
0: (laughs) actually isn't that kind of like barney i love you you yeah right
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. personally you know I'm, i'm not usually a violent guy anymore but uh I'd kick Barney's ass if I found him in an alley. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll
0: be sending Barney people the heads
1: up on that one. There, there you go, right? <laughs> but that's, that's part of it. I mean, it is important to reinforce, you know, good, good feelings with kids, but it's equally important to establish a sense, a, a healthy sense of value, uh, based on something that's meaningful. Even a young, even a young person, you know, what's your contribution to your family, to your life, to your school, to the people around you? uh and we've lost a lot of the avenues for that i mean you know scouting used to be a big one for that sports and uh, a lot of people are turning away from these things which is too bad but in you know long story short that was it for me there was no sense of self value and that led me to it led me to be very susceptible to the drug culture we'll say that and it gave me an escape from something i do. i wasn't really even uh you know all that consciously aware of uh but it was it was definitely deep because uh, there were times when i was suicidal and and uh Times when I just felt, hey, who cares about me, so why does my life matter? Right? I didn't care about myself, I didn't think anybody else did either.
0: Mm -hmm. And what was the turnaround moment, a moment of clarity where you said, you know, I need more, I want more, I can't, I can no longer continue to live my life like this?
1: Yeah, it's probably a, a string of moments, and you know the memories of some of that are pretty hazy, as you might imagine. But, uh, but we've created, you know, there's a there's an iconic story that that I share, um, which is really it's a true moment, but it also involves you know a series of steps along the way. But there was one particular time when uh, I remember t- I was smoking a, a, a joint. Now, mm-hmm. it might not sound unusual, except I didn't smoke joints at the time. I was probably up to six or eight bong hits a day uh, to keep my buzz going. All the other drugs. Did I tell you I was a test pilot then? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody says that. Not not the kind you're thinking about. It was, you know, we actually lived in a, an old trailer. Uh, we called it Stonehenge. We had a, a sign over the door that said, We are the people our parents warned us about. So, you see, we, we <laughs> fancied ourselves kinds of disciples of the 60s. And at any rate, what would happen is uh, we'd mix a, a, a bowl full of uh, different kinds of pills and whatnot. And someone would say, hey, what's that green and black one do? I say, I don't know, give it to Jim, see what it does to him. Oh, jeez. And so that that was the test pilot phase. So at any rate, somebody passed me a joint. I bogarted the joint for folks that don't know, and believe me, you don't have to look it up. It just means I, I smoked the entire joint because I wasn't going to share it because I, I, I couldn't get off on, a, on just a joint. So.
0: You hog.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> so <laughs> there I was. And usually, you know, as much dope as I smoked, I was usually pretty mellow when I was high. But something different happened this this particular day, and I started, I guess, running around the trailer, and it was an old 1950s vintage trailer with those heavy louvered glass windows, right? Mm -hmm. And apparently, I tried to fly through the window, and it's prevented from doing that. Uh, Then I guess I got the munchies, because, you know, when you're high, you get the munchies, right? Right. So, (laughs) anyway, which is ridiculous to even look in the refrigerator, because we never had anything there, but... Uh, that's not the most ridiculous part. I, I decided to look in the refrigerator without opening the door. So, uh, I was banging my head against the, the door of the fridge, thinking somehow that I was going to be able to see through it, right? Uh-huh. Uh, at the end of the whole thing, anyway, long story short, I woke up in the morning, uh, looked like I went three, three rounds with Mike Tyson. And I really was literally staring at myself in the mirror. Mirror has become a very important part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I just said that this shit's got to stop today. And that's, that's the day I quit. Yeah, and so everything yeah. else, everything else move forward. That's the first step you got to take. I mean, nothing else happens without that.
0: Right. Well, it's too bad we didn't know each other back in the day. We could have been in a haze together before we decided <laughs> to get our shit together.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's people. People need to understand that too. You know, when I talk about these things, uh, you know, I'm believe me, I'm not proud of it. I'm ashamed of it. I was a loser. I was, you know, as a Well, I never accepted welfare or anything, so I wasn't a drain on society at large. But certainly, I was a drain on the people around me. I'm I'm positive of that, and certainly wasn't contributing uh, anything—not anything useful, at any rate. And so, you know, it's—it's not something to be, uh, you know, to be self-aggrandizing about. I, I don't think it should be something that's glorified. But having said that, the truth is there were also some really good experiences and some really interesting people I met, and. Uh, some, things, some weird stuff that I saw that I wouldn't have otherwise, right? <laughs> but that doesn't mean we need to repeat the adventure.
0: Right, right. Well, you said something that also is very interesting and I think uh, a very pivotal point for our listening audience for you to kind of extrapolate on. So, you know, did you get to a point within your journey that you realized that it's important to relinquish shame? Because shame, guilt, any of those things, uh, you know, that's what manufacturers regret. That's what keeps people stuck. That's what allows people to continuously get in their own way. So what do you say to people who are still fighting in their own heads with their own false beliefs and concepts? How do people get out of that?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a powerful question. And I have to say that a lot of times when I'm talking, especially when we're talking about personal things, uh, and, you know, a lot of times I'm doing the think like a black belt theme. We get into that a little heavier. But, you no, know, a lot of times with Sensei Leader, too, uh you know it strikes pers- leadership's a personal adventure i mean it really really is we're we're talking about i think the the greatest expression of 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 human life uh mm-hmm. to share yourself with others that way so yeah i can get pretty personal and i say hey you know what i'm not preaching from the mountain i'm preaching from the gully uh right. you you give me the answer to how to solve all those problems I'll, I'll tell you what i'll be the first one to sign up uh these things are th- these are demons that i still struggle with I was raised Catholic, too. That doesn't help, does it? <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> so rate anyway, A Catholic you know, druggie. Oh, like, my God. There I you
0: can go. Imagine.
1: There you go. And you know what? I, I don't think guilt and shame are necessarily bad things. They need to be managed. But there are an awful lot of people that operate in life without any guilt, any sense of shame, uh, and they're doing just horrible things. Uh, for instance, uh, I've been doing – want to depress yourself even more, right? Uh, I've been doing some research for the next project. And it's going to center on on leadership, uh, disciplined character. And so I've been getting into the Bernie Madoff story pretty heavily. Mm. And very interesting thing that happened to him along the way, and I'm not quite sure when it happened, but there are several experts that have interviewed him that say he he convinced himself that he was doing the right thing. Now, there was a point where he was coming clean to a degree. But he's an amoral guy. He has, he has no apparent shame or guilt over what he did. Now that might be a psychotic retreat. We don't know. Um, but that's what I mean. You know, that guilt, guilt and shame sometimes can, can help point us back in the right direction. But we got to be very careful not to be obsessed with it, right? And so that's really what I like to share with people. I said, you know, that's fine. It's a warning, it's a warning sign to you, right? But let's not hang on to it. You know, let's address it. Shake hands with it. Old uh, martial arts proverb says, right? What do you do when you meet the devil on the road? That's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Go inside, figure it out. But they um,
1: they say shake his hand. right? Right. Shake his hand. Shake the devil's hand, and then you start to to you know decide on a course of action from there. So. I, I hope that answered the question, but I don't know how to get rid of it. I just know how to deal with it. <laughs>
0: well, do you think, you know, kind of, uh, I talk a lot with guests on radio, you know, inner dialogue, the reel that plays back and forth in your head right. because, you, you know, you're in your head 24-7 and hopefully more so in your heart than anything else. Um, <clears throat> but do you think perhaps some of the transition from terminology such as shame, such as guilt, you know, if we transfer that over to things like accountability, yeah. uh, per- personal awareness, personal de- development, do you think that somewhat does uh, a more advantageous type of shift within the healing journey that more successfully propels people onto the path of relinquishing the guilt, relinquishing the shame, not relinquishing the lesson, and you know, and 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 not not taking accountability. But do you think the languaging factor is what's crucial sometimes to keeping us in the right space on the right path?
1: No, I like what you're saying, and you know, language is so powerful because it is an evolutionary construct right that that we created out of ourselves in order to express ourselves and in order to program ourselves uh so yeah it, it's I like what you're saying it that's very powerful. There's also another word that people often misuse or misunderstand that can really help them in a journey like this if they want to you know make a significant change in their life, and that's forgiveness, yes right? and so many people forget uh they think forget and forgive are the same thing. Or they think that forgiveness means that you're somehow uh, diminishing a uh, past experience, or right, not giving it the credit or the weight that it's due. And that's not it at all. All forgiveness means, in the purest sense of the word, is that you're you're ready to put down that that burden, you're ready to put down that baggage, whatever it may be, and move forward. It doesn't mean that it's not still a part of your life. Don't worry about it. I mean, it's, it's going to be there unless you're really psychotic, right? <laughs> and your memories are erased. <laughs> it'll it'll jump back when you need it. Don't worry about it, but. Um, yeah, that sense of forgiveness, particularly when we're dealing with other people—both people that have wronged us, and times when we've wronged others. You know, uh, how many times? And, and uh, believe me, I, I, again, I'm preaching from the gully. I do it. I still do it, even though I, I'm aware of it and and consciously change it when it happens. But um, when we've wronged somebody else, we have to look at that and say, was it intentional? Was it purposeful? Uh, could it have been prevented? Was it a matter of negligence or lack of awareness? You know, these things. And again, like you said, you have to go in there to dig the lesson out. I don't think lessons happen. I hate it when people say, you know, exactly. failures, disasters, all that. Yeah, well they are if you go and dig them out. Um, Otherwise, you know, people, a lot of people make a lot of horrible mistakes and never, (laughs) never even know it,
0: right? Exactly.
1: Uh, And some of them get rich doing it. So that's a kind of a shame, but. I know.
0: Does that suck? That pisses me right off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Right. No, it's pretty weird that way.
0: And so, so Jim, why don't you share with us too? I, I don't know if this is your terminology, but just for the sake of reference, what are some of your daily rituals that keep you on the right path and out of the gully?
1: Drinking heavily. How about that? <laughs> wow.
0: Let's just
1: substitute one that <laughs> yeah. for another. No, I just had to, had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. By the <laughs> way, Jim's running right. for Congress. There you go. Another great qualification, right? There, there you, you go. go. should fit right in. Absolutely. Uh, no, you know, rituals, like you said, yeah, I, I prefer to call them disciplines. I think we're talking the okay. same language. Uh, yes just we are. Because, yeah, just because I'm a martial artist, it's a discipline. Mm-hmm. And of course, our work is, is a tremendous part of that. If, if it's something that we really care deeply about, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, being focused on my work on a daily basis is a huge part of my discipline. Uh, taking care of myself as far as working out. I'm getting older now, so I can't do what I used to do, or maybe I can, but it just hurts more. And, uh, so, but, you know, some, some daily, uh, you know, exercise regimen, that type of thing. Uh, meditation is a, is a good thing. Uh, something I don't, I I can't honestly say I do it every day. I do it a lot and do it sometimes subconsciously. And for me, one of the biggest ones, and sometimes people wonder about this. So I'm going to explain it is music. I I was a musician in a past life too. Uh, I I mean a real past life, uh, had (laughs) sex and it was, it was something that I had put aside for years and have just come back to over the last few years. And it, to, to me, it's a very spiritual experience. It's removed from other things that I do.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: engages the mind in a way that, that um, you know, there are a lot of activities that can do this, but an artistic expression like that really engages your mind on a whole different level. That's why, uh, and this is the explanation part, that's why people like Einstein, or uh, I was reading about Thomas Jefferson recently, where he spent an hour or more on his violin every day and yeah. felt that that was necessary, right? And you think about this, think about how busy we can get in our lives uh, but you're going to operate on a much higher level if, you, if you'll you take the time for that. Einstein was the same way. He felt many of his great ideas came from uh, times when he was playing the violin. He understood scientifically as well what that process was doing for his mind. So it's incredible. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Good
0: for you for re-embracing that. And what instrument?
1: Well, I was a drummer, so I was a little primitive before. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'd always... Dabbled around with guitar and in recent years it's uh yeah I've been pretty focused on guitar and uh surf instrumental surf music so it's yeah that's that's a pretty neat thing to do. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Good for you. Good for yeah. you, Jim.
1: And I don't have to sing so nobody complains about my singing. Yay,
0: no
1: singing. <laughs> no singing in an instrumental <laughs> band, right? That's it. Yeah, you don't like the singer? Tough. Yeah.
0: There's the exit sign. Yeah. So, uh, so why don't we uh, kind of go back to a little bit what we were talking about. You know, I, I'm sure you come across people, you know, people who would come into your path. It's because whether they can articulate it, whether they're fully there, but there's something within themselves that says, you know, I'm ready for something different. You know, I can't do the same old, I don't know how to do this or navigate this on my own. Obviously Jim's mastered this. Jim's doing a great job. So I'm going to be in the presence of Jim and sponge this up. And of course we all know that we're operating at different levels of self-awareness. And a lot of that's based on receptivity to the journey, you know, to what degree are you ready to get mm-hmm. in the thick of it and, uh, you know, and start digging away at it. So, you know, When you come across people initially who are in the victimology stage, you know, what do you say to these people? What do you think that that Uh, attitude or that that mindset's all about?
1: Well, you know, I I, I have to be honest, I would never know first meeting somebody what, you know, what that's all about. And sometimes I've worked with folks for a long time and and I'm really not quite sure what it's all about, but hopefully we're giving them a process that they can apply and, and, and start to deal with it. Um, of course, there's a, a lot of the variable is how much someone's willing to share, right? And I'm sure you've had this experience with folks you've worked with. Uh, we're, we're assuming or trusting, I suppose, that they're giving us as much information as we need to work with, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're they're closeting things and uh, mm-hmm. trying to keep things close to the vest. So we're never quite quite sure. So the best we can do is share our experiences and share our, our processes, right, mm-hmm. uh, as well as sharing our caring, respect, and love, which are the three things I think we should share unconditionally. But the uh, first step is an inventory. You know, you gotta take a step back and really look at, at your life from a different angle and being kind of a reductionist, a lot of martial artists are are really are reductionists who try to you know carve things down to their simplest level, which is usually I think the best. Mm-hmm. So I look at it this way. We have uh three major areas of our life that we really need to pay attention to and take care of, and they're spiritual, material, and emotional. Mm-hmm. And so the first step is to look at us and look at ourselves, look in that mirror again, and say, what resources do I have available to me right now, emotionally, materially, and spiritually? Uh, spiritually, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about that sense of something bigger than ourselves, the stuff uh, that isn't readily weighable, right? It's ta- mm-hmm. it's not tangible, but we know it's the love is a good example. Love is a spiritual uh, asset to me. Uh, we We can't weigh it. We can't measure it. We can't even prove it. Uh, people have been trying for a long time we really can't get our, our minds around you what what exactly is this thing but we know it's there we know it's true because of our experience um, emotional resources are a bit more tangible we can measure those now we're talking about confidence and let's hit on that one for a second a lot of times people struggling have confidence issues well that's a fairly simple thing to address not easy none of this is, is easy simple not, not easy we say all the time right? getting a black belt simple you practice is it easy? no it's not easy Mm-hmm. so with confidence it's a matter of of exposing ourselves to experiences right uh stepping out of the comfort zone would be the cliche getting yeah. people to experience something a little bit more difficult than they've uh, uh let themselves and start to build the sense that right and first of all it comes back to preparation and training that's how we prepare ourselves for these things and in so doing then we know that we're uh, you know that our confidence is genuine we're not basing it on the outcome which is really dangerous because we never know what the hell's is going to happen tomorrow right none of us true but we can be very sure that we've done everything we can to face that we've done what we we've trained enough so we know i don't know if i'm going to win when i get in the ring but i damn sure know i trained hard enough and i deserve to be there you see absolutely uh, yeah so that's one example of it the the material one that's you know that's really simple to look at um and the, the basis of it too is, you know, for us to be healthy in, in my view, uh, we need to, we need to embrace this idea of success. And, you know, folks challenged me on that for years and they said, well, Jim, you can't tell people what success is because it's different for everybody. I said, boy, you, you, we can't live that way. We can't spend our whole lives chasing something we can't even define. So I got really arrogant a couple of years and, and spent some serious mental time trying to figure this out. And it comes back to these three aspects again. So now I defy people. I say, I'm so cocky. I say, I will define success for you. (laughs) And I'm absolutely right about it. (laughs) And I'll I'll throw it at you, and you can see if you can challenge it, too. I'd I'd love to have somebody challenge it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here's the core of it. We're successful when we have a sense of abundance, right? sense of having enough in three major areas. We're back to those again, emotional, material, and spiritual. When we have some sense of abundance in each of these areas, then we generally feel successful or content. When we're impoverished in one of those areas, we don't. We're out of balance. We start feeling needy, right? And that's, that's not the state we want. But we have to understand two things. First of all, how much is enough for each person in those areas? That's what's subjective, right? Right. And the other thing is that it's not a fixed state. You know, one of my taglines, I've got to make t-shirts again with this on. <laughs> I, <say>, I think <laughs> this is the greatest gift that martial arts gave to me. Was this, I'm a this, small. This,
0: Send me a small. <laughs>
1: there you go. It said, uh, 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 perfection is not a destination. It's a never-ending process, you see. And again, like I said, that's what martial arts taught me. So, you, you know, when you achieve certain, you know, points in your life, uh, the worst thing you can do is, is try to hang on to it or say, you know, oh, geez, I made it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're going to wake up tomorrow. It's going to be a brand new day. we, <laughs> we, we don't know what's going to happen. And even better than that, uh that kind of mindset even though people may be happy and content you know the true martial arts master is often happy and seldom content we're seldom satisfied because there's always something new to learn or some new way to apply your skills your talents your abilities whatever that might be uh new people to share that with uh some new adventure to go on so you know that's that's what it's all about so it's not a static state we've got to, that's a western construct that we really got to change uh Nothing, nothing, the only constant, the only true constant in life, and I think uh, Socrates might have said this, is change, right? Absolutely. Is that Socrates or Aristotle? I don't know, one of those old Greek guys. (laughs)
0: I'm not too sure, but I'm going to Google that after. There you go. But um, so when people talk about fear, you know, a lot of people will say that fear is the opposite of love. Fear is the opposite of success. Fear is the opposite of confidence. You know, what what do you say to people about fear?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, again, you know, coming from the martial arts, perspective uh you know the warrior mentality would say no fear is something fear is a blessing uh, in fact there's a great book uh called a gift of Fe- the gift of fear i think a man's name was gavin de becker who wrote that now he wrote that from a very practical standpoint for uh, self-defense but what he talked about was that people that try to hide fear or, or push it under or run away from it uh don't realize that it's it's a natural instinct that we have it's a it's a survival mechanism now again we're back to the obsession part we don't want to be obsessed with it. And a lot of times people confuse, you know, the antidote to fear is courage, right? Yes. But let's define that. You know, what is courage? In fact, that's one of the key questions on our surveys that we do before events. Uh, it's certainly not the absence of fear. And again, borrow from the warriors, understand this mentality. Uh, I think it was uh, George Patton that said he never met an intelligent person that went into battle without fear. Mm-hmm. Because the intelligent person understands what they're getting into, right? Mm-hmm. So, the fear is healthy; we've got to manage that fear. we've got to direct it and, and not let it overwhelm us right So now, the absence of fear is certainly not courage. The absence of fear is stupidity <laughs> <laughs> but what do you do with it? You manage it you can, you control it to what degree you can uh you use it as a force to turn yourself in the right direction and but you certainly don't run away from it or avoid it that's that's not the right that's not right the right path. Mhm. And again, that's you know a lot of drug problems, addiction problems happen from that, right? If fear becomes the issue, and I understand what you're saying that fear can be, you know, destructive to love, right? If we're afraid to express ourselves, if we're afraid to share ourselves with others, right? Mm -hmm. But again, we're back to the mechanics of it. Let's let's address that fear. Why do we have fear? You know, that's that's an important fundamental question. And this this isn't a rhetorical question because you work with so many people. This is this is your your world, right? Uh, How many? How many times have you met people that they, they have some kind of fear? They, they're not even sure what it is. They haven't looked at it, right?
0: A hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent of the time because we are human and, you know, none of us are absent from all the human spectrum of emotions in which we feel and grapple with, whether right. we can right. articulate it, whether we can term it. Um but, I mean, my brand is Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. And what that means to me, that means something different to everybody else. But what that means to me specifically is, you know, I choose to walk into my preferred state of reality. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look at fear. I equate that with challenge, you know, because I'm yeah. not going to get caught up in the state of mind of what fear can do to weigh you down, to keep you stuck. So I look at fear as challenge. But if I choose to walk into my preferred state of reality, then you just keep going. You just keep going. You keep going because you're looking ahead. You're following your true north. And one of my my favorite adages, which I say often on radio, is there's a reason why your windshield is much larger than your rearview mirror. Don't look behind. Look ahead. And there's a reason why that picture is bigger and more beautiful. You don't need to know what is on the other side of it. You don't need to know where that road is taking you, right. but you know you're on the right path. You can't go wrong if you're on the right path, and the right path for me is always looking forward.
1: Yeah, the right path is usually whichever one we're on at the time, right? Worse <laughs> of necessity, but no, we're singing in harmony. And <clears throat> Again, we're yes. back to semantic arguments that yes. you know, people, people need to understand. Uh, this is probably bad timing. I just wrote a blog about how uh, colleges are producing graduates that don't have the writing, speaking, or thinking skills that <laughs> their employers need or want, right, uh, which is too bad. Um, there was somebody picking on philosophy majors a while ago and I thought, you know what, philosophy should be a required curriculum in college. Absolutely. I sh- right, so we need to learn how to think again. But at any rate, that, that idea of fearlessness, let's look at the root of the word again. It doesn't mean without fear. Fearlessness is your ability to face and, and, and manage your fear. It's not the absence of fear. Right. Um, but the language, you know, has, has, the contemporary language has lost the the true meaning of that. Um, but when you look through literature that way, that's exactly what we're saying. Fearlessness and courage, the way you're using fearlessness and the way I use courage are exactly the same.
0: Exactly. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, you know, Jim, why don't you talk about, because you're obviously, you know, you're a leader, you're a visionary, uh, manifester. Jeez, again. You're too kind.
1: Oh, my God. I'm going to put you on my promos. <laughs> My head is getting bigger and bigger as you talk. Well, I
0: I mean, you know, for somebody who walks their talk, you you couldn't be on this world platform stage and not have exercised or demonstrated some authenticity to that. Uh, You wouldn't be in the company of people like Dove Barron if you didn't walk your talk because he'd tell you to go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, we have that conversation every couple of weeks. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I, you know, for somebody who does walk their talk, for somebody who does walk into their preferred state of reality, for somebody who does visualize, for somebody who does manifest, who clearly on some level their mind is a 3D visionary board, you know – on one hand, I believe you can be present, but on the other hand, for people like us who, you know, have so many different ideas, so many things we wish to create, so many different people we want to interface with and, and connect with and help, you know, what's in the future for you outside of? And I'm not suggesting that this isn't enough of a feat to take on in addition to everything else you've got on on your daily grind, but. Outside of being Congress, stepping into Congress, and what you do on the world stage, what else does Jim want to do besides play guitar once in a while too, and the drums? What what else do you see for yourself? What's the big big picture here?
1: Wow, that's a that's an amazing question. I'd probably have to go off a weekend and think about that for a while. Um, You know whatever adventures out there. I don't know. There's no. Again, I'm gonna. I have a whole lot of these little fortune cookies, right, (laughs) Marshall? (laughs) I just love these little fortune cookies. You want to make the right? You want to make the dragon laugh? Tell him your plans for tomorrow, right? (laughs) And and I've learned that. And I seriously had. You know, I had people really. I found out later seriously betting that I wasn't going to live to see thirty years old. You know. Mm -hmm. So every day, vertical and mobile is, is a pretty good day as far as I'm concerned. Now that doesn't mean I don't have my moments. Believe me, I'm a human being, it, it, you know, it, as much if not more than most people, and uh, lots of plenty of flaws to work on, plenty of things to to, to you know that need attention. But um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's ahead, and that doesn't mean that I don't make plans. I think it is important to have some plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the work that I'm doing right now is plenty, and if Congress, you know, was became a reality, well then that's You know that's going to be, of course, that's a laser focus, and I I do have to qualify that, just in case somebody's listening. You know, (laughs) campaign wise, (laughs) one of the promises I'm making is that uh, if I'm elected, I'm not going to campaign for a second term. Uh, Two years is going to be enough there. If people want to send me back, then I would consider running again. But people spend too much effort that they should be focused on other areas, just trying to get elected again, trying to keep the job. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's not a long, long-term plan. I have no long-term political ambitions at all. I'd be honored to serve for the short time and, and that'll be enough. Uh, then obviously we, well, we're never going to put aside the leadership work. That's something that's really become an important thing. I think it's one of the most important things we can do. We really, really need to, to develop the next generation of leaders and they need to come from everywhere. Leaders from all levels, you know, and everybody at any level should be practicing leadership. Leader isn't somebody that we, We put in a position of authority. Leadership has nothing to do with titles, ranks, and authority. Right. It has has to do with getting the job done. It has to do with living as as an example for others. It has to do with inspiring others. And, you know, that's what it's all about. We can do that anywhere, in any job, at any time. Uh, position of authority, then that's a little different tact. And we work with a lot of folks, especially C-suite executives and things like that. These people have position of authority. Then the leadership becomes I'm not going to say a greater responsibility because it's you know it's it's a great responsibility for all of us, but that responsibility extends to to more lives. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, it does. Yeah.
1: yeah. So again, it's not that it's better than anyone else's responsibility, anything else, but it, you affect more people, so mm-hmm. you have to be very cognizant of it. Maybe in that sense, you're held to a little bit higher standard that way, a little bit more accountability, as you said a little while ago. For sure. Now, if we get right to the chase, though, if if I had my druthers, uh. You know, the surf guitar for the rest of my life sounds really good. So, (laughs) so I wouldn't mind that at some point just to, you know, just to kind of, uh, maybe write a little bit, do some speaking, and just play guitar. That would, that would be really nice.
0: Jim's bringing back vinyl people. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So, why don't you tell us? Because I'm really curious. We've not talked behind the scenes. We've not gotten mm-hmm. into what the show is going to be about. I just sought you out. I said, you know, I want to connect with you. I'd love to invite you onto radio. So I don't know the answer to anything that we're talking about right now, which is why I love unscripted everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you and Dove come to meet, and what is that relationship all about?
1: I think we met at uh, a speaker's a party. At- <laughs> it was kind of a party, actually. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Larry Wingett. Larry Wingett okay. wrote Shut Up, Stop Whining, Get a Life among a lot of other, other, other books. Uh, Larry had been on my radar for a while. Um, in fact, I had picked up a few of his books and when I got into this business and started doing the podcasting, I had the audacity to just reach out to him, see if he'd be on the show and, and he did. And, and long story short, that became uh, a friendship and he was helping me quite a bit and, I asked him at some point, I said, maybe I should be paying you for this or something. He said, he said no, no, but uh, he called a few months after that call and said, we're going to have a, a speaker's boot camp. We're going to invite a, a few speakers, uh, especially aspiring and emerging speakers. We're going to help you get your business up to the next level. He and another dear, dear friend and mentor became dear friend and mentor, Joe Calloway. Uh, so anyway, out to Arizona to meet these guys. Uh, the first boot camp, I don't think I met Dove at the first boot camp. I think it was the second one. Mm-hmm. And somebody said that we needed to meet each other, and we did. And you know, there was a connection right away. I mean, I, I felt a kindred spirit there. And over the last last couple of years, I well, I don't even know how long I've known him now. It's a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that friendship just got deeper, and a lot of a lot of you know what a blessing we have this this internet, the web, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: That we can stay in touch and and actually see each other, you know, from mm-hmm. time to time without without traveling not that there's anything wrong with traveling. I love that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what happened. And we really just started to support one another. And I'll tell you, one of the greatest uh, gifts as far as what Doug brings to my life is that he's a very deep thinker. Yes. And, you know, we sometimes schedule a call to talk about business and don't talk about business at all. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Very <laughs> true. The,
1: yes. An hour and a half talking about, you know, philosophy, leadership, uh, world affairs and things like that. And So that, you know, he's just become a blessing. That's, that's probably the best way to say it.
0: He truly is a blessing. And, you know, I think everybody, who would have the honor and the privilege of having Dub in whatever capacity in their lives. Mm. I think we would all have consensus on that because, you know, for somebody who does talk about authentic leadership and, you know, that's what he's all about, you know, full Monty leadership, mm-hmm. uh, you know, y- y- you can tell very clearly whether you're in the personal development world or it's just a one-on-one conversation with Joe Blow off the street, you can tell, when somebody's full of shit and you can tell when, some, you know, when somebody is completely authentically genuine and pure and sincere. And, uh, you know, I've had dove on radio a couple of times and I'll be bringing him on to my other network. And, uh, you know, for what he's done and transformed and, and, and trans, transformed people's lives, it's just absolutely amazing. I've seen it happen firsthand with uh, somebody we both, not necessarily you, but Dub and I know. Uh, that I knew her through the passion test and uh Gina Best. And she was one of his students with the uh Authentic Leadership Boot Camps. And, oh, my God, I mean, I, within six months of my first and, and last having seen Gina, she was a totally, totally – Elevated, different, bright light person. And so I saw, I saw his work in action. And, uh, and I hear that from everyone, from other people who know Dove, who I've had on interview. Like he just has this astounding ability to tap into people and accentuate, uh, their beauty and what they're all about and bring it out. So yeah, I just, I would have been remiss if we didn't talk about Dove, given that's how I came up upon you, Jim. Oh
1: well, yeah. And you know, the thing is that you just have to be open to these folks that are coming into your life, right? And, I wasn't as open, I, I don't think, early in my life. Uh, now I'm very open, maybe too much sometimes. Although, you know, you, you do have to, you know, you have to protect yourself from from time to time. But, uh, you know, what's the cost of let, at least giving somebody an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And then you never know; it can develop into a very deep friendship, you know, like like uh, with Dove. Or, hey, sometimes it's just a moment. And the amazing thing is, since I've been thinking this way, and fortunately for for a long while now. I've had some people, some amazing people transform my life, even though I only spent a few minutes with them, right? Mm -hmm. Just a very, very brief, uh, encounter. But yeah, it's a matter of being, it's a matter of being open to that. And, you know, I believe that that's, that's really a conscious choice that we need to make. Uh, I'm not, you can tell I'm not the lollipops and puppy dogs kind of (laughs) guy, but, (laughs) you know. There's this thing about oh the universe is plentiful and open and has all the gifts. Well, yeah, if if you're willing to access them, if you're willing to do the work necessary to plug into it, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't believe the, I don't believe the universe is some kind of cosmic gumball machine, and you always get the flavor you want. You know, right. Uh, you've got to do the work. You got to tap into yes, it. Yes, And, and you got to accept that sometimes things don't go your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's just the way it is. And of course, I'm borrowing heavily from Asian philosophy now. Right. Right. Uh, that's part of what they were trying to teach us. And fortunately in martial arts, uh, in that career, really, I had access to a lot of that where they said, you know, let go of that, let go of that idea that it's always going to turn you away. That's not what it's all about. Right. Again, you know, the way I would say it, hey, I'm, I said it a little while ago, I'm vertical and I'm mobile.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: pretty damn good, right?
0: That's very damn good. <laughs>
1: the rest is well, great. Yeah.
0: Well, you, you said something I want to, I want to go back to. Do you really think there's such a thing as being too open? If you equate that to transparency, if you equate that to being honest within yourself, uh, you know, acknowledging your truth, your self-truth, do you think there's really such a thing as being too open?
1: I do, and we, and we might disagree on this, but the okay. reason is I work, you know, I've been through this experience, and it may be heavily colored by my experience, and I've also seen it on a, on a larger scale, and this is part of, of why I'm interested in politics, actually. Because there are people, sometimes we can make ourselves so vulnerable, or we can be willfully ignorant of what's going on around us. That some folks with a lot of charisma, a lot of charm, uh, seemingly with a lot of of knowledge, can really exploit us and really take advantage of us. And again, you know, an iconic uh, symbol of that would be Bernie Madoff again. You know, I've been reading about. I, I kept saying, how can people be this stupid? Well, they weren't stupid. They really weren't. Uh, a bit obtuse at times, right? A little uh, will, like I said, willfully ignorant at times. Uh, but we can't discount the, the power of, of charisma, of, you know, how some people can be very, very persuasive and yet might have a very negative agenda. So that's what I'm saying by that. And, of course, coming from that perspective, again, of self-defense and applying self-defense, uh, as the Asian masters were teaching us, was not just about, you know, defending yourself against an attacker, right, a, a knife or a gun or a guy with a baseball bat. It's about protect It's about taking care of yourself is the best way to say it, right, and mm-hmm. taking care of the people around you. And so you do need to be aware of the dangers that are there. That's the only thing there are, I, I, I hate to say this, but in in our world, there is a lot of folks like that. there are a lot of folks when I get into the speaking business, particularly when I I started primarily in personal development mm-hmm. and I started meeting some of these some of these folks, and I just said some of them are just reprehensible people, some of them were criminals
0: right. and
1: I got to know enough about some of them. I said they know they are
0: <laughs> you know? right
1: right and yet, and yet they're out there exploiting people and, and ripping them off taking their money and giving them shallow promises so um you got to find one of the key strategies we talk about is you got to find the right master right mm-hmm. and they're out there you get another fortune cookie right that when, <laughs> when your time is ready the teacher will appear well there right. a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that just make sure you don't uh you know end up with the false guru along the way or when you do just recognize it and and, uh, need a hasty retreat, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, I know, I know a lot of people in our industry would even take issue to the the term guru. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you do or don't, or, or if you would support why some people may feel inclined to feel that way. I don't know if you want to talk about that.
1: Well, again, you know, it gets, it gets down to semantics again, uh, you know, there's certain labels that people just don't like, or they tire of from time to time, and that's okay. You know, the guru in the in the original intent of that word, you know, is a, is a guide, is, mm-hmm. is a coach. That's that's fine, that's cool. Uh, someone who has knowledge that they can pass on to you. Uh, it goes back to sensei is another word like that, you know. And we've right. been put that in our leadership uh, track. Mm-hmm. Sensei is applied to a teacher, but the literal meaning of the word is one who went before. You see. It's not someone who's better than you. It's not somebody who's superior to you. It's somebody who went before. They went down a certain path, so they can guide you along that path to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. Then emphasize on that idea of to a degree. I can't, let's put it in real life terms, I can't make you a black belt. (laughs) True. Right? I can show you what you need to do. I can encourage you. I can coach you. I can correct you. I can, you know, whatever we need to do along the way. But when you when you sit there to accept that rank, it's yours, not mine. And that was something that was very strange. Always when I promoted students to black belt, they would thank me. Right? They said, "Oh, thank you for the." And they said, "Well, I appreciate. It. I learned to accept the thanks as a gift because that's important. Right. Uh, right? Diminish the other person if you don't accept that gift. But I would also say, look, you did this, not not me. This is yours, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so that's that's important. So yeah, guru. I don't know. Call them whatever you want. Just uh. Just watch out let's see. let's use the purest terms that can't be you know messed with too much uh, watch Absolutely. out for the cro- watch out for the crooks <laughs> there are crooks out there <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, very true. Sure. So, you know, I'm always cognizant of time. There's not much time before we have to wrap up. But one key question I would like to ask you, uh, Jim, is, you know, talking about gifts. So when we go back to what you've shared with us uh, in terms of the inception of your journey to fast forward to where you are now, and, of course, you being in the world, we're in the world of understanding that every day it's it's evolution, it's revolutionary, it's, it's stepping into being the best, most improved version of yourself and not being in competition with other people. It's really just you with you so you know what would you say from where you started to where you are now currently what do you give yourself thanks for what do you thank Jim for for Jim staying the course with
1: wow a lot of good people around me mm-hmm. You know, we're talking now about those emotional resources right yeah luck and when I say that sometimes people freak out they say you're kidding me no, I was very serious I said there were a couple of times when I was very lucky that I woke up, right? Very yeah. lucky that I wasn't in, in you know, two, two minutes later I might have been in prison for 10 years, right? Two minutes sooner or later. Uh, so things like that, luck that the right person came along at the right time, Yeah. You know? So, you know, I embrace that and that luck is out there for us, again, if we're open to it. But we have to understand that there is some element of chance to it. So that's why it makes, to me, that's a gift that it makes me appreciate the things, the blessings that have been put in front of me, Right. Right. And then the discipline, the perseverance—you know—to be able to just understand that process again—the greatest gift martial arts gave me. Perfection is not a destination; it's a never-ending process. So let's enjoy the process along the way. The process is—is what life is, isn't it? I mean, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. When it stops, it stops. We stop. That's no fun.
0: That's right. It it
1: might be. I don't know about the other world, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be a part of the other world.
1: I'm not too anxious to find out yet. Right? No.
0: No. So what is the legacy you wish to leave behind? How would you wish for people to remember you? And we've got about three minutes here, Jim.
1: Well, you ask some really tough questions. You know that?
0: I do. I'm a tough nut.
1: <laughs> we have to go on retreat or something to deal with some of these questions. Okay. <laughs> what's what's the legacy? Uh, yeah. The legacy to me, it, it's interesting. I thought about that more when I was actively teaching in the martial arts because people would say, you know, oh, you made such an impact on my life. And, so, and my wife actually would say that. She said, you know, if you if you were gone, so many people's lives would be affected. I said, no, they'll be fine. They're going to go on with something. They'll forget all about me. And in a way, we had that experience because when we stopped you know, teaching daily in, in our center, we sold our center, the last center. And, you know, over time, there's still people I see, and, and I'm sure, I, you know, I run into people, they say, oh, you had an impact on my life. Um, you know, that's, that's cool, but they've gone on with their lives. And so that's the legacy that as a, as a sensei, and I, and I will embrace that, that honor to, you know, to the day I die, yes. it's about doing what you can, giving of yourself enough so that other people can, can use that in their lives. And then the legacy is, is just that, that other people went and found something that you, that you gave them useful, right? And they're able to go out and, and create their lives with that. So, you know, in some small part, so that, that's it really, uh, Other than that, people can forget about me. I don't don't care. (laughs) Forget
0: about it. (laughs) Well, Jim, I just, you know, I will at a later date invite you back onto radio because I, you know, we're going to be bringing you back on as Mr. Congressman. So there's going to be a follow-up show, people. But Jim, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. I think what you're doing is phenomenal. The way in which you're impacting people, the way you're walking your talk, I want to say thank you on behalf of everybody whose lives you've touched. I want to say what a gift and an an honor it is to have had you even just for an hour here on radio it's been wonderful and so for my listening audience I want to also thank you for your loyal listenership I go live every Friday 11.04am Eastern Standard Time here on the Contact Talk Radio Network if you have any show topic ideas or you wish to appear as a guest on my show you can kindly reach out to me at either lisa mcdonald is spelled mcdonald or alternatively you can reach me at mcdonald 13 at gmail.com anyway, I just want to say it's been wonderful. Jim, have a phenomenal weekend. Uh, good luck in Connecticut. That's where you're going, right? Connecticut?
1: Yeah, and thank you so much. We're going to have you on our podcast as well. And I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to start writing down some really tough questions for you. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to okay. dig into Lisa McDonald's head. How about that?
0: Okay, let's do the banter. I want to do
1: the Great. banter. Okay. okay,
0: so everybody have a phenomenal weekend. Love and gratitude. Take care of yourselves, and we'll tune back in here at the Contact Talk Radio Network next Friday, 11.04 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. All my best. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com.